Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Gareth Drabble, Director of Customer Success for Northern Europe at Content Square. In this episode, we talked about what led Gareth to Content Square, the recent acquisition of Hotjar, and what it means for Content Square, and we then talked about how they plan to structure their customer success team as they scale and what fuels its growth. We also discussed how rushing into a tech touch model wobbled Content Square's retention rates and dove into how they use health scoring to predict adoption and retention and how you can replicate the model for your company too. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode. And if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael. And here's today's episode. Hey, Gareth, welcome to the show. Hi, Andrew. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. For the listeners, Gareth is the Director of Customer Success for Northern Europe Content Square, a digital experience analytics cloud that helps companies understand hidden customer behaviors and use those insights to drive more successful experiences. Prior to Content Square, Gareth was previously working in digital analytics at Deloitte Digital. So my first question for you, Gareth, is... What position were you playing at Leeds? Uh, yeah, very good question. So before I found the, the exciting world of software and experience analytics, I was uh, playing rugby. So I went through the academy system at Leeds and was a budding back row player. But unfortunately, there were people far bigger, far quicker, far better than me. So I was unable to make the, the step up to, to fully go pro. But it was fun whilst it lasted. Yeah, I noticed that on the on your LinkedIn profile as well. So I want to do career. Obviously, I grew up in South Africa, played rugby as well, yeah. like all through high school. Like I was Did the tiniest say, person yeah, always. <laughs> yeah, skinny wannabe professional rugby player. I, no, I didn't read that. <laughs> That's why I was checking. Yeah, no, for me, it was always like definitely like the tiniest person on the pitch, but nice. So yeah, you mentioned like you, you got into sort of this digital experience space. And I think that was the one thing that stood out for me that was very interesting with your background is the different roles that you've had. It almost seemed coming into Content Square, you came in as a domain expert, somebody who had been working in the field and helping people improve their user experience using various methods. And then uh, coming into Content Square, like starting a customer success practice there with your domain expertise and your domain knowledge. So I'm interested, like, how did that journey, like, evolve and how did it come to be like what was it that sort of led you into this path in a content square yeah no good good questions content squares come in from 
the background of being a UX agency or consultancy where we do ad hoc projects for, for clients and we didn't have a subscription model. So over the course of the years, we've been on this journey to build the user interface that we can sell to our customers and to really grow and scale at a, a rapid rate. So I actually joined Content Square as an account manager and the job description at the time was look after four to five customers and manage the whole end-to-end -end relationship from implementation, onboarding, the analytics work, which is probably like my domain expertise, and manage the, the uh, renewals on the side of that as well. But really what attracted Content Square to me was the products and being able to get my hands on user piece of software that, that I really believed in. And that's what kind of led me, led me here, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something like I've actually heard from a couple of other guests on the show where they started using a product, the actual product itself became a domain expert and knew it in, were super interested in the technology. Uh, and that's what pushed them into it. Like, so, okay, I know this space really, well. I know this product, like I can help others do it and I can help others get set up and uh, so forth. A lot's changed since you joined. Like obviously now today as well is actually the day of recording is the day Hotjar and Content Square announced the acquisition. I know like Content Square's got some huge plans now for growing. Maybe quickly, like just share a little bit of news for us on what this means uh, for Content Square and Hotjar. Yeah, obviously a coincidence that you and I are having this conversation today with, with your background at Hotjar. The news is very hot off the press. So not an awful lot has filtered through to the teams. But from what, what we can see is it's a super exciting opportunity for, for both companies, really. Us at Content Square, we, we set ourselves as being the market leader in that enterprise offering with, with an experience analytics. Hotjar is a, almost a household name within e-commerce and absolutely is the leader in that SMB market. Where, where we see us combining forces to add a lot of value is trying to take over that mid-market offering. So merging a little bit of the Content Square offering with the Hotjar offering and providing something that's a bit more targeted at that, that mid-market range. Yeah, it, it makes total sense to me as well after seeing it, like I mentioned just before the show, it, it was not was surprising in some ways, but it wasn't surprising in others as well. You could see like it was a natural fit and it sounds like there's uh, going to be some exciting things coming up for the both of you and for both teams. So pretty excited to see where this goes. There's also some like big movement that you're trying to grow the team quite a bit. I saw in the announcement. What are the plans there? Like how does this affect maybe your org and customer success as well? Yeah, good question. From, from about month six of, of being at Content Scrum, I'm coming up to five years now, we introduced the customer success manager role. And ever since then, we've been on a journey to you know, help make the product a bit more self-serve, grow and scale the team and scale the offering that, that we have. And we're on this journey. It's definitely not this finished article. So for, for me, the acquisition of Hotjar won't impact us an awful lot in the short to midterm. We'll still concentrate on the core content square customer, how we service the enterprise clients and our strategic clients and, and focus on you know, how we continue to best serve those. 
Yeah. And in terms of the context of your actual team, though, as well, so I get like things aren't going to change much for the short term, which uh, makes a lot of sense as well. And you can play into each other's strengths. But for your plans, for your organization now, like Constant Square, I see as well that you've got quite a lot of roles open when it comes to customer success on that side. So it looks like there's a lot of growth in the area. What is fueling this growth for your customer success team? Like, what is the plan? Like, how are you thinking about structuring the team now as you start to scale? There's an awful lot of work that we've done. We're on to our fourth reorganization of the customer success team in the past couple of years. One of the things that's probably changed most recently is we've built a strategic success manager role. So these this team will, will look after around four to eight clients each. And then we'll split that off to the enterprise success managers who manage more around that 15 type of arc. So still pretty high touch. Yeah. Um, but it's allowing us to really focus and provide the best support that we can for, for our largest and most strategic clients. And maybe talk us through that structure a little bit. So like your success org is mainly obviously in Content Square, more enterprise level customers uh, that you deal with permanently. Is there like a makeup between high touch and low touch or is it like predominantly just high touch model? Like how do you split up the customer success org? Yeah, so today it's all high touch, if, if we're being perfectly honest. Over the next sort of 12, 18 months, we want to introduce more of a tech touch. And we tried to do this a couple of years ago. We often have buzzwords for a year and at Content Square. And a couple of years ago, our buzzword was scalability. If I had a penny or a cent for every time I heard the word scalable or scalability said during a meeting, I'd be a, I'd be a very rich man by now. Yeah. So we try to probably scale the customer success team and offering a little bit too early, probably before the product was ready and before our yeah, tech offering of support was ready as well. Like we'd only really just launched our e-learning platform by that point. So we hadn't fully stre- stress tested it. We hadn't really checked that it was a adequate way to cut for customers to onboard and, and really self-serve them, themselves. So we tried to go early and we learned from our mistakes. We saw our attention rates wobble on the back of that and we reverted back to, to what we knew, which was this really kind of high touch uh, model. And then we've obviously developed a lot of learnings over the past couple of years. The offering that we have online now through our e-learning platform, through our community is now really solid. And it now gives us the, the confidence to really push certain customers down that route and provide a bit more of a specific offering that is more mid-touch rather than high-touch. High-touch, so giving a combo between the, the two. How big is the team now, Georg, now, customer success? Uh, so we, we've got over 200 in, in customer success world, worldwide now. Wow. So I manage uh, a team of 35 to 40 that cover the Northern Europe region. Oh, so it's definitely grown a lot uh, over the last four or five years. Uh, incredible. Thinking a little bit about Content Square as well, like dealing mainly with enterprise uh, clients, when it comes to churn and retention, what are some of the key metrics that you look at and what are some of the main areas where you focus? So I think typically with enterprise clients, they you're looking at longer contract deals, like your retention is always typically a lot better, even that negative when it comes to churn. What are some of the things like the team focuses on in the customer success org and how you how do you spend your days in customer success? 
Yeah, so we spent a lot of time looking at our health score over the past probably three years. And we started off with just an Excel spreadsheet where we pulled in all of the available pieces of data that we had about our clients. And we spent months just playing with the algorithms. And like I, I say algorithms that they really aren't that complicated. It was just some logic within it, within that's an fine, Excel sheet. Yeah, exactly. And we just played around trying to create a one single health score metric. And we'd have a go at a model and we'd compare the scores to what our gut feel was about that customer. And eventually we got to a point where we were pretty confident that this would help us to predict. Actually, it wasn't to predict churn initially, it was to predict adoption. So what we looked at was the top kind of 10, 20 healthiest, highest adopting customers and what were the kind of characteristics that defined those. And then we mapped out the rest of the customer base and said, how far away from this average of the, the top 10 are these clients? And it gave us really good um, insight into how healthy are they and in which areas do we actually need to, to focus to help to drive, drive that adoption. And obviously, in turn, adoption led to high retention within that base and in turn that kind of ended up being our health score um, so for us key things that we look at adoption is number one that's the the way that we can really understand how healthy a customer is and, and we break that down in a number of different ways so we look at number of connections to the platform per month and then we look at the different types of active users and we split that out by casual regular and intense and that essentially relates to casual being monthly, regular being weekly, and then intense being daily. Yeah. So that's particularly helpful. And then we add in like classic things like number of support tickets, escalations, NPS scores, and, and all the, the kind of classic metrics like that. Super interesting because it's two sides of the fence. Previously, I was like business intelligence at Hotjar. And pretty much the same sort of buckets. We call them core, like casual core and power uh, users, but similarly, like the frequency of usage being that. And we also started out looking at health score. Ours was like a retention predictor. So similarly, but uh, to it, where it was, and it started out in Excel, just pulling out a sheet. And so I'm interested, let's talk about that a little bit. So somebody wanting to get a health score set up for the first time, maybe walk us through step by step. Like I know nothing today. I want to get a health score set up for my company. I want to understand either whether it being adoption or retention. What would be the first step I would need to do to get something off the ground? Yeah, so the first thing that we looked at was we, we actually built a success framework. So what are the characteristics of our most successful customers? And we bucketed them into uh, four categories. So the first one being product fit. So this is around time to implementation, number of integrations that, that we have. Uh, the next is looking at the customer org, the adoption. Do we have the right teams and people in place to, to use our tool? The third was value. So how much incremental revenue have we helped to generate for our customers? And do we understand what their KBOs are and what we're really working towards? And then the final axis of that was intimacy. So looking at the relationships that we have with execs, economic buyers, key influencers within the client's organization and how frequently we're, we're meeting with them. 
how are you automate? Was this being automated? Or is this something like a manual process that's being done by CSMs? Because it sounds like a lot yeah. of it is subjective good. as well. Um, yeah. So very good question. There's a combination of the both uh, of, of the two. There's a combination yeah. of the two. So some of the data is automated. And, and like I said, it started off in Excel. We now use uh, customer success software to, to kind of you know, visualize and automate this uh, for us. There are also uh, triggers within that system where a CSM has to provide their subjective opinion about some of these things. So it is a combination of what the data is telling us, but also that feel on the ground from the CSM of their gut instinct of what position are we in with this customer. Yeah. Uh, and I think it obviously makes a lot of sense when it comes to high touch model to include some of these variables into the model. Did you put any weighting on them? So like you mentioned, four different areas, yeah. was any specific like weighting which you, you felt or you realized was more impactful? And how did you go about putting that weighting system together? Was this something looking into the most successful customers and uh, understanding that certain things had specific weights? What was that like? Yes, I, yeah, very good question because it's, it's, we're actually re- revisiting the algorithm of our health score at the moment. So the current setup that we have is probably 18 months to two years old. And the weightings were based on what we knew back then or what were what was true back then. And actually what we realized is it's out of date. We put a massive weighting on adoption. We're actually, now we're starting to feel that there are other components to this that you know, give us a true indication of how happy and healthy the customer is. And we need to incorporate those and make sure that there's the right balance and weighting for each of those. We'll be playing around with these over the next couple of months to try and get something right. But yeah. I think the key takeaway is your health score is never is never finished. There's always uh, tweaks and improvements and learnings that you can continue to add into that. Get something that works and that you're happy with, but don't think it's the finished article and you can forget about it. Make sure that you continue to add your learnings and iterate on, on what you've got. And what you've got, yeah. Make it work and make it better. I think that's one of the things that you could easily overcomplicate an exercise like this. But like I think I've seen and spoken to a few others on the topics, like the simplest ones always win. And the ones that typically they're always the same story. It started out in Excel and it was just like yep. a basic formula. We tried to understand. We scored certain variables. If they did X, then they got one point. If they did Y, they got uh, two points. And uh, looking at the total score, you then as well, like mapping that out to things like retention, revenue, and seeing like, did the scores correlate with retention? Did they correlate with revenue and adoption? Absolutely. Yeah. So a- across all of these pillars now, we now know for a-, a score less than kind of 55 is a red flag. So a- an overall score of less than 55 is a red flag. And then a score of 55 or below in any one of these pillars is also a red flag. The benefit of having this kind of framework approach is we've now learned that if the customer org score is low, here's the playbook to go and get this back on track and the actions that you need to take. So it's really helped to structure our thinking in how we analyze the the risks in the accounts, but also knowing here are the best practices to to get this particular account back on track. That's really interesting. And having that split focus in the different areas and having different playbooks then to tackle each individual problem. That's very interesting. And then those specific playbooks, like how are they put together? And I'm guessing a similar fashion, just get something out and then iterate over time. But 
how did you set those up in the beginning? What was the inspiration? Like, how did you pull together the insights that you were learning from the team? Yeah, so I think we made a mistake with this initially in a couple of people sat down to write all of the playbooks for everyone and with the assumption that people were just going to adopt them and and that would be the way way forward. And what we realized is you know you need you need buy-in from the team. They they need to really understand what is inside of the playbook, why is it there, and where has it been successful before, and for them to have the confidence that actually this is the the path and the, the track that we need to follow. Cool. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting as well from that side, just it sounds so simple in practice, I think, but a lot of times you're dealing with customers, with emotions, circumstances outside of your control. And it sounds magical just to have like a playbook that anybody in the company can pick up at any time and run with it and uh, know that this is something that's been effective and most likely will work as well in your scenario. But it must take a lot of time and experience to get to that point where you've hit your head against the wall a few times, you've made many mistakes, and then this comes down to the collective effort and knowledge of the team as well. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the, the playbook is it's more inspiration rather than a definitive guide that this will fix things. Yeah, They are an, an aggregated view of best practices that we've seen work elsewhere that we've tried to put in a logical and chronological um, order to address a particular issue or, or risk. Yeah, makes but sense. It's, da- it's down to the CSM to look at what we're suggesting within the playbook and apply that to their particular client and the, the context and understanding that they have. Very cool. I'm going to ask a question. I ask every guest that joins the show. Let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now that you join a new company. Churn and retention is not doing great at that company. And the CEO comes to you and says, hey, Gareth, like you're in charge. We needed to prove results fast. We have 90 days to turn things around. What are you going to do? The catch is you're not going to go say, I'm going to speak to customers and figure out the biggest pain points and then start there. What you're going to do is just pick something that you've seen work in the past from one of your playbooks and run with that. What would be one thing you'd want to do to try and reduce churn quickly? Can I accept that I won't speak to customers to understand what their pain points are, but ask that I can speak to customers to understand what value we're driving for them? That's either tangible or intangible for both happy and unhappy customers. Because I think that gives that will give you a really good understanding of um, what makes a successful partnership for both you and the customer. And how can you just spot where the gaps are for those clients where that isn't the case and try and promote that particular behavior or, or activity. Um, so yeah. is, is that allowed? You not? can worm your way out of this one, yeah? I'll, I'll work, I'll, okay. Yeah. So that, that, to be honest with you, look, that, that's the first thing that I do. Like you really need to understand on the customer on the customer side, what value are we driving for them so that you can understand the narrative that you're going to say and, and put forward to, to those who potentially aren't on the, the right path. Yeah, I'm going to lean back to my health score obsession and say, this is definitely something that I'd want to understand. You know, what data do we have available at this company today that will indicate which clients are happy or unhealthy or, or whatever it might be? So once I've got those two things in place, the next thing that I do just to scrutinize which accounts are renewing in the next two, two to three quarters 
and then overlay ACV and then the health score data or the, any kind of data that we've got that indicates that the health of that customer and then bucket clients into three. So which clients are we confident are going to renew? And we don't need to put an awful lot of effort in there, but maybe we lean on the account management team to do some easy renewals for us to take some off our plate. The next, we'd identify the clients that are at risk, but they're worth saving because they've either got high ACV or relatively high ACV, and they've got some indicators that we can fix things based on the the data that, that we know. And then unfortunately, if churn is a real risk, then we're probably going to have to categorize a third category that says these clients are super low ACV. They're not going to impact our overall um, retention numbers for these quarter. And realistically, looking at the data, we've got little chance of, of saving them. That means we can really focus our effort on that second segment where we go, they're at risk, they're worth saving. Let's really focus on securing these. Nice. What you need is the, for your first segment and your second segment for the sum of that ACV to be above what your attention target needs to be for those for, for those quarters. To see if you need to dip into the third segment to try. Uh, exactly. Yeah, so. exactly. Very nice. I like that. Uh, leaning back on the health scores again. Let's Last question that I have for you today is what's one thing that you know today about churn and retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career? Yeah, good, good question. I, I think it's exec intimacy. So, and th- this is probably, it's certainly a learning for me coming as a, a domain expert. I spent an awful lot of time working with the end users of our solution. So the, the end users of, of Content Square and built unbelievable relationships with them. They knew exactly how to use the tool. I was, we were pretty much an extended part of their team. And that's how we were operating as a CSM team, but we weren't having enough strategic conversations with executives, economic buyers. So most of the time they weren't aware of all of the effort and uh, resource that we were putting in to the kind of lower levels of the organization. And really you need to make sure that you're having those kind of value checking conversations with the economic buyer. So they're aware of the successes that you've had and the return on investment that they're getting from from the partnership. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, definitely, I think this is something we see as well as, and also growing that number of connections that you have really helps reduce churn on the other end. It's been a pleasure chatting today. I really enjoyed uh, hearing uh, how you built out the team at uh, Content Square. Congrats as well on the news today. Very exciting stuff for you going forward. And I wish you best of luck now through this transition period. Brilliant. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Great to, great to chat to you. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. 
Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.